Hello and welcome to this standalone Livewire episode entitled The Sad Factor. Uh, in this uh, Livewire, I'm going to give you some uh, hopefully helpful tips and advice about staying the long term and taking responsibility for your own health, uh, particularly your own mental and emotional health uh, for those of us with responsibilities. So I'm going to start with a confession. Uh, my confession is this, is that for, for many years I had a secret fantasy and uh, this fantasy was something that I would go to bed and think about and uh, sometimes daydream about and uh, it was very, very private and never told anybody about it. And it was this, that Pays, the organisation I lead, would fail through no fault of mine. Uh, my favourite part of this fantasy was that there would be some kind of law passed which meant I couldn't do pays anymore. Somehow what we did in the schools would be illegal and we would have to stop. And that may seem really surprising, but it was because of the stress I felt of the responsibility on my shoulders of what we were doing. So I truly believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father and that uh, the message, the gospel, is the difference between heaven and hell. And that's a huge responsibility when you think about it. But I found it so difficult to lead pays and so stressful uh, that I secretly wanted it to fail uh, without it being my fault. Um, now, that was a long time ago. And for, for many, many years, that's not been the case. But why was that the case? Well, let's read from Genesis so we can understand. Genesis 3, 17 to 19. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toll, you will eat it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. In other words, because of sin, everything got harder. Uh, pre-sin or pre-the fall, I guess Adam would have planted seeds and they would have just grown. Everything would have been fine. Um, when uh, pre-fall, if you'd been a preacher, you would preach. People would realise it's the word of God and they would act on it. Uh, when you lead, people would be humble. People would be teachable. Uh, people would just get on with it. But the reality is that you were not created for the world as it is now. Things are more difficult now than they were supposed to be. And when God created us, he created us for a pre-fall world, world, you could say. At least that's my understanding, is that um, the way he created us in his image, and he, he created Adam and Eve, it was pre-fall. And then everything got much more difficult. Now when you plant, you have to do so much hard work to make sure that seed flourishes when you preach, you have to be so creative. You have to work so hard. You can't just simply communicate God's word. You've got to bring every tool you have in your toolbox to convince people this is God's word. Uh, sorry, God's word. And it's so much more difficult. So uh, because of that, many of us struggle. We have stresses. We have um, uh, struggle with the responsibilities, the conflicts that we find between what we feel we're supposed to do and the reality of how difficult that might be. So do we just give up? Uh, do we escape from it? No, we don't. We need to persevere with God's help. So we're going to look at that during this live mic. And we're going to start with a um, our first workshop um, where I want you to look at this simple quote by Dr. Viv Thomas. He says this. 
No longer will the organization be perceived as the parent. So this is one of the most interesting lines that came out of his book, Future Leaders, when he was talking about um, uh, kind of millennials and he was talking about uh, the world beyond 2000 and the way things would change with work. He says this, that no longer will the organization be perceived as the parents. In other words, the company, the organization you work for uh, will not be perceived as the parents. For this first workshop, I want you to simply discuss what you think he meant by that. Just take maybe five minutes. If you're listening to this on a podcast, maybe just pause now and just think about it. If you're doing this in a group, watching this as a live wire video, just discuss that for five minutes and then we'll continue. I think most of us would have understood what Dr. Viv Thomas was saying. He's basically saying this, that um, in the past, uh, there were organizations, for instance, my father worked for the BBC. It was a kind of job for life. And the BBC kind of took care of everything for him. There was a great social program. Uh, there was a great pension program. And uh, it was kind of like a bit like having a parent that looks after you. Nowadays, uh, we have our freedoms. People are transitional. People move from here to there. But we have to understand that along with that, along with all the choices we have and the freedom we have nowadays, uh, and the ability to move from one thing to another, comes uh, the flip side of that, which is an organization can't be your parents anymore. Uh, we have to take our own responsibility on board. And um, how we therefore cope with stress as leaders affects other people. Um, particularly if you're uh, working with an organization like Pays, where you're communicating the gospel to people, people are watching you and the way you live your life and how stressed you are will determine a lot of how they perceive your message. Uh, if you're talking about a God of love, uh, if you're talking about a God of peace, but you look angry or conflicted or bittered or tired or wherever those things might be, it's going to undermine your message. So let's look at another passage in scripture. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 9 to 13. What does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on man. He's made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know there is nothing better for men than to be happy and to do good while they live, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in his toil. That is the gift of God. So in the Bible, it clearly teaches that God has made everything beautiful, but at the same time acknowledges that there is toil and hardship and our work can be burdensome. And uh, what's happened there is because God has allowed that to happen. God uh, says because of the fall, this is what's going to happen. He's been part of that process. And while we're trying to escape from that and ask God to take off our burdens and, and ask God to make things easy for us, what God's really trying to do is make us bigger than the obstacles, not remove the obstacles. He's making us bigger so we can step over the obstacles. And some of that, a lot of that has to do with us taking responsibility for how we cope with the burden and the toils that we go through. And I think that's so important for us to understand. So when I was doing schools work, one of the problems we had was that um, the biggest thing that kids would level against us when we talked about being Christians was that they believed most Christians were hypocrites. And I think the reason they said that was because quite often it was true. We would have people who would come into schools and they would talk about God's love and God calling them there and having a passion for them and God had put them 
put these young people on their hats, and then they would see people quit during the year and leave, and all that did was make them feel these people are hypocrites. So my heart and my burden is that we don't do that, we carry on, we persevere, and we take on our responsibility, that we don't look for some big organization just to take care of us, we realize it's our personal responsibility. Smith Wigglesworth, who's one of my heroes, an old preacher in England, um, always dressed to impress. And when he was asked why he dressed so well, even though he didn't have very much money, he said, it's very simple, I don't want to be preaching about a great God and look shabby. Uh, I want the way people, when people see me, I want them to see how great God is. If I walk around looking shabby, looking like God's not looking after me, then what does that say about my message? And uh, he took that responsibility. He realized the importance of how he was, not just what he was saying. So with that in mind, let's look at our second workshop. So I've created something called the SAD Factor, which is a simple way for us to look at our lives and think about how we're living them. What I'd like you to do is fill in with yeses or no's to the questions and then total your score. And then I'd like you to uh, ask, what do you think of your score? And what do the questions bring to your mind regarding elements that you may need to start factoring into your life. So please fill in this kind of very simple self-analysis, tot up how many yeses you have, and then ask yourself those questions. What do these questions bring to mind? What does your score uh, make you think of as you compare it to other people who maybe have uh, filled in their self-assessment as well? And then I'll make some comments on that at the end, and we'll go through some tips of how to look after ourselves emotionally and mentally and physically. So my suggestion would be, if you have two or more no's, you want to start tweaking uh, uh, your kind of personal habits and your lifestyle. Uh, on pays, we really look for balance. Um, things used to be a lot busier on pays many years ago, and we've streamlined and skimmed things back to what we think is now a very healthy balance where people, when they come on pays, they don't come with a student mindset, they come with a proper work ethic because you want to help people create a good work ethic, but not too much than not having fun. So you need to take personal responsibility in your life if you're on pays, even though we've tried to do that for you to some degree. So here are some of the conclusions that I've come to, some of the things I've learned uh, being in ministry now for 30 years, having more and more responsibility put on my shoulders. These are some of the things I've learned. Number one, gain the wisdom of a fish. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 16 says, so I said, wisdom is better than strength. Many years ago, I trained and qualified as a scuba diver um, with the British uh, Subaqua um, Club of Great Britain. Um, if you've ever done paddy diving like you do on holidays, I would be seen as an advanced scuba diver now. And uh, what I learned was the deeper you go down, the more pressure because of the weight of water that's upon you. And after a certain amount of depth, you, you normally need uh, a submarine. And the deeper you go in the submarine, the thicker the skin of that submarine needs to be. At the same time, the deeper you go, you find just as many fish that are kind of flying around um, from here to there, just quick and darting about and seem so free and easy. And I, I've had times when I've been down and moving very slowly and yet fish are just like come up to a mask, kind of feel as though they're smiling at me and then shoot off again. And I think, how do those fish do that? How do they maintain that kind of freedom at such depths? 
because there are two ways you can go here when there's pressure upon you. You can get a thicker and thicker and thicker skin and pretend that nothing really bothers you, but in reality, at some point, suddenly you will just implode very quickly and very dramatically. So if all you're trying to do is build a thicker skin, eventually you're gonna to have too much pressure and responsibility. That's not gonna work. What you need to do is learn the wisdom of a fish. The reason fish can do this and be free with such pressure on them is the pressure inside of them is equal to the pressure outside of them. And we need to understand that, that if we are feeling emotional pressure, we need to fill our lives with emotional positivity, with friends who will build us up, uh, with people who speak good words into us. If we're giving out a lot, like my, my responsibility is to teach a lot, I need to read a lot, I need to take in a lot, I need to spend a lot of time in God's word and thinking and contemplating and meditating on God's word. If you're um, giving out um, immensely, uh, whatever way it is, if it's a physical thing, you need to spend some time in a gym and store up strength. So you need to ask the question, am I just building a thicker skin here or am I making sure that what's inside of me is strong enough? I've often said this to, to new people on page, you're gonna start giving out spiritually more than you ever did before. And if you're still just relying on reading a couple of verses every day and hoping that will do, then maybe it would in the past, but it won't do. The deeper and deeper you go and the more responsibilities you get. So it's your responsibility to make sure that in your life, What's inside you is equal to what's outside of you. Number two, gain a focus on the climate rather than just the weather. Ecclesiastes 11 verse four says, whoever watches the wind will not plant, whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Ministry and leadership is like a roller coaster. Um, you know, I'm uh, involved in leading a church and uh, some Sundays the numbers are down and some Sundays the numbers are up. And if I just look at the weather, in other words, if I look at what's happening right now, then I can go on an emotional roller coaster. It can affect me mentally. You know, one week I'm sad, another week I'm happy, wherever it might be. You could be like that in your responsibility. But if I look back at the climate, uh, that's more helpful. So when I plan a holiday, if I'm going to go somewhere in the world, I don't look at what the weather is that day. I go on a different website and find out what the typical climate is for that that month of the year. In other words, you look at the big picture. Um, so for instance, with, with our church, you know, we, we have right now, we've been going um, at about eight, nine months right now um, since we planted the church. Some weeks are low, some weeks are high. But the benefit is when I look back at the bigger picture, I realize that our low weeks now are higher. There are more people coming to church on our low weeks now than there were on the high weeks eight months ago, if that makes sense. So when I take a step back, and look at the big picture, it gives me perspective. And perspective will always help you emotionally and uh, physically and mentally. If you can take a step back and not look at what happened just today, take a step back. Quite often you'll be encouraged. If the picture's still not good, then you know you need to maybe make some changes. But I wouldn't encourage you to make changes based off the weather because things come and, and go, things change very quickly. So gain perspective. Number three, create the culture you would want to join. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 8 says, There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling? He asked. 
And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? So nothing worthwhile is built in a moment. Um, it takes a long time to build something and therefore you have to commit long term. Like I said, I've been doing this 30 years. I believe it's going to be my life's work. Uh, I believe this is what I will be doing when I die. So with that in mind, I have to understand that I want to be happy doing what I'm doing. And um, one person, one leader once said that leadership is like driving a bus and you stop at different bus stops and some people get on at one bus stop and then they get off at a different bus stop. Not many people will be on the bus for the entire journey. Some people will be on the bus for certain parts of the journey. So you can't build a culture, you can't build a team for everyone else. The most important person, if you're leading, is to build a culture and a team that you want to be part of because you're going to be in this long term. And if you go down, if you fail, if, if, if all the responsibilities get to you, if the burden of it gets to you, then it's going to affect everybody else. So you need to take care of yourself. And uh, I would encourage you, therefore, to think, what kind of team do I want to join? What kind of team do I want? When I walk into work, uh, I want to see people I'm happy to be around. I want to be in an atmosphere I'm happy to be part of. Now, for some of you, you don't have that, um, you don't have that ability to decide that. You've been put on the team. But you can affect the team that you're in. You can have a positive impact. You can interject the things that you think would be healthy for that team rather than simply maybe complaining or moaning about it. You can talk to your leader and say, hey, um, I think it'd be great if our team had more fun or whatever it might be. But I'm going to take responsibility to help you, the leader, make that part of our culture, not simply offloading more responsibility onto your leader. Okay, next tip. Gain the ability to learn to think how you feel and feel how you think. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 7 says, Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. So some of us are thinkers and some of us are feelers. And uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes took time for introspection to think, how do I think and how am I feeling about things? Personally, I'm more of a thinker than I am a feeler. And it's important for me to stop every so often and think, well, how am I feeling about this? Because my feelings are important. If I don't pay attention to them, they can catch me out. So for me, one of the best things for me to do is to spend time sharing how I'm feeling with people. Uh, but I need to make sure, and I would really encourage you to do this, to make sure that when you're sharing how you're feeling with people, you're sharing it with people who believe in you and believe in it. They believe in you, but they also believe in what you do. Because if they only believe in you and they think you're sad or you're struggling, they'll just encourage you to get out or to run away or to escape. And you don't really need that. What you need is people who can listen to you and help you uh, do a better job of looking after yourself within the thing that you're doing because they believe in it as well as you. So I really encourage you, surround yourself. Um, if you're more of a thinker than a feeler, Surround yourself with people you can share how you're feeling, but it's a trusted environment uh, where they believe in you, but they also believe in it. Be very careful who you share your feelings with. And secondly, of course, um, take time to feel how you're thinking. Uh, one of my problems is that sometimes um, I'm so busy with stuff, I don't take time to actually enjoy it. 
Um, I mentioned leading a church before. I'm so aware of new people coming in. I'm so aware of how the worship's going. I'm so aware of the room dynamics um, that I'm spending so much time trying to organize things and making sure things are right and analyzing. that I don't just take the time to enjoy the moment. And it's going to be important for you to take time to enjoy the moment. When you have successes, make sure you stop and you celebrate those successes. It might be just a simple way of doing that. It might be a small success and you can take a few minutes just to celebrate and give somebody a phone call and tell them, hey, we did something great this week. Or it might be a major project you finish where you need to take some time out to have a party or go out and celebrate with a meal or wherever it is you want to do. So can I encourage you to take time to think about how you're feeling and make sure that you're expressing that, uh, you're processing that, and you're taking responsibility for both those things as well. If your thoughts are bad and negative, again, go to people who believe in you, but also believe in it and ask them to help you. Okay, my final bit of what I like to think is wisdom on this is this. Gain the insight that the grass is usually tinged with yellow on the other side. So there's an English proverb that says the grass is always greener on the other side. In other words, when we're doing something and things aren't working out or there's some conflict, we always look at something else and think, oh, that would be so much better. But in reality, so often when we get there, we actually find the grass isn't greener. It's already gone a little bit yellow. Um, but it's only when we're there we realize the problem. And that's partly because we take who we are with us. So our circumstances may change, but when we move to those circumstances, we probably won't. Who we are is, is who we are. Um, so uh, it's a little bit like the story of the man leaning over the fence. Um, so there's a man leaning over a fence in a little village and a visitor came by and the visitor said, the first visitor said, hey, um, I'm thinking of moving to this village. Can you tell me what the people of this village are like? And the old man who was leaning over the fence said, yeah, of course I can. First of all, tell me what the people were like in the village you've just come from. And the man said, well, the, the people, I, I, the village I've just come from, people were mean-spirited, they were very negative, and they were very critical and not very generous at all. And the man said to him, the old man said to him, oh, well, sadly, you're going to find that actually in this village as well you're going to find the same thing here. So the visitor said, oh, well, thank you so much. And he just passed on by. A few minutes later, another guy turned up and the other guy said something very similar to the old man. He said, I'm looking for somewhere to call my new home and I'm wondering what this village is like. And the old man said, well, first of all, just tell me a little bit about your village, where you've come from. And the man said to him, well, my village is a wonderful place. People are very generous, People were kind, people were very thoughtful, people were very caring. Sadly, I had to leave that village and now I'm looking for a new home. And the old man said, well, congratulations, you're gonna find this village is just the same. The old man understood that who we are, we take with us. And I would encourage you that um, if you're looking for an escape plan from your problems, just moving to a different situation may not be the answer. Maybe the situation you're in right now, God is having you there because he wants you to take responsibility, find great people, great advice, and begin to work through who you are. You know, God has allowed us to, to be in a world that we're not created for with stresses and toils, and he's not here to remove the obstacles, 
more often than not, he's here to build us so we're so big, we can just walk over those obstacles that we're bigger than the obstacle. Remember, he who is in you is greater than the obstacle before you. Okay, thanks very much for listening. Let's look at our final workshop. Of these five conclusions, which one do you feel is most relevant and helpful for you now that you could harness either as an individual or as a team? So it's very simple. Uh, was any of that advice helpful to you? Uh, feel free, you can always email me or Facebook me or contact me on any social media platform and ask me questions about this. I'm more than happy to help you think some of those things through. Um, thanks for listening. Hopefully this will have been helpful to you. Again, get some great advice and make sure you get people who believe in you, but also believe in it, believe in what you do as well. Bless you. Speak to you next time. Goodbye.